In September 2014, Channel 4's award-winning foreign affairs strand returns for a new series. From Sierra Leone, Vietnam and Lebanon to Syria and Uganda, this series of eight unreported world podcasts takes us into some of the fastest changing areas of the world, where we meet the people living through these changes. To bring you this film on the devastating Ebola outbreak, Channel 4 sent reporter Shauna Conair and a television crew to spend two weeks filming with Médecins Sans Frontières at an emergency field hospital in eastern Sierra Leone. Channel 4 was the only broadcaster to embed television crews in field hospitals within the virus area. This unprecedented access provides a unique view of what life is like for the health workers battling the virus and the families affected. Sebastian Stein is in charge of the morgue for this emergency hospital, hastily built by the charity Médecins Sans Frontières. You see patients in the most horrible states, and, and you can have patients who come in one day, and the next day I'm packing them in a body bag. Another patient has just died. Sebastian must enter the isolation tent to recover the body. You need to be covered everywhere, so you, you have to have no exposed skin, so that there's no chance of being in direct contact with a, with a patient or with body fluids from a patient. The Ebola virus doesn't travel through the air, but through contact with bodily fluids. Simply touching a victim can be fatal. Beyond the orange barrier are the wards holding the patients infected with the virus. The latest casualty is a nine-year-old boy. His body is still highly infectious. Sebastian's morgue register is filling up. How many times have you done that, taking a body to the morgue here? So we'll put in uh, number 78 now, in a few minutes. Really? So, yeah, and that's just since the, the first... The first registration here is the 2nd of July, so that's, yeah, that's exactly one month uh, tomorrow. You can say around 73 deaths in, uh, inside the, the, the ward since the 2nd of uh, July. It's not a nice book. It's thick. I hope we don't need to fill the whole thing. An ambulance brings more victims. Members of the same family. Six probable cases have just come through to the Ebola clinic. One of them is very, very young. They barely were able to get out of the ambulance. They seem so, so weak. Ebola is the family destroyer. When Ebola affects one person in a family, everybody dies, so be warned. Local nurses are on the streets, warning the outbreak is worsening. Even in the Médecins Sans Frontières hospital, Ebola is killing 70% of those it infects. 
Because so few people who go to the hospital ever return, victims are hiding in their homes and infecting their families. You must report them to hospital staff who will come and check them. Manja Lamine works with one of the disease surveillance teams who bring in new patients. It's dangerous work and his team is overstretched. It's not easy to find people who are willing to work, so the few willing ones have more work to do. Two weeks ago, Manja went through a terrifying ordeal when he was quarantined with suspected Ebola. It turned out to be a false alarm and he returned to work. If I give up, it's like I'm putting more people at risk. They will transmit the disease to a lot of people and many people will die, will not be able to control the situation. The surveillance team has only four vehicles to monitor the half million people living at the centre of the outbreak. They meet up with the vehicle that's being used to transport Ebola victims. It's a hearse. For today, we'll call it an ambulance because we expect to put a live patient there. They're heading to a village where Ebola has already killed an old man. Everyone they encounter, even those who look healthy, could be infectious. The team used to wear protective clothing, but the suits terrify the villagers who ran and hid, or sometimes even attacked them. Manjo now relies on keeping at least two metres from everyone he meets. Mina. My name is Manjo, and this is Ishata from the World Health Organization. The surveillance team are talking to this young girl over here to see if she is showing signs of the Ebola virus. She's clearly in distress, and we know that her father-in-law has already died of Ebola. Kadiatu Jusu is 25 years old, the mother of four children. Yes, I have a temperature, diarrhea, and I'm vomiting. Her husband, Fala, is a farmer. He's 35. It was his father who died two weeks ago. Aisheta Kante can see Kadiatu is almost certainly infected. She actually fits into the case definition because she was the one taking care of the old man, feeding, cleaning the The old man was vomiting and there was direct physical contact. So, are they spread up this, yeah? Manjo disinfects Kadiatu's home with chlorine. Anything she's touched could be contaminated. Aisheta notes the names of everyone who's been in close contact with her. Her children and husband are at the top of the list. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Seventeen. Hmm? Yeah. Only seventeen people here. So, anyone we begin get fever or they cough or they feel like say get malaria in body, they act, they vomit, they go to the toilet. Anyone that is not for call. They are like at risk. We need to monitor them for the next 21 days. 
my father passed away. She too is going with the same thing that is happening. Fala can't risk touching his wife to say goodbye. I just feel sorry because people are dying. Let him come and see because she has vomited, she said. The team at the hospital quickly begin to treat Kadiatu. Although there are no proven cures for Ebola, sometimes the body can fight it off, especially if the victim can stay hydrated. A Canadian doctor, Tim Jagatik, passes anti-nausea drugs into the isolation ward. So we just gave her medication to prevent the vomiting and um, the RS solution just to rehydrate her because she's losing a lot of fluid and electrolytes. What sort of life will Kadiatu have here? She's here to rest and to allow her immune system to hopefully find the disease, fight it off, create the antibodies, kill off the virus. And we're just trying to clear the path for the immune system to get to that point. The van is disinfected, ready to pick up the next Ebola case on Manjo's list. This is another problem because one doctor was treating the patient as typhoid. The MSF emergency coordinator, Anja Wulz, says the Sierra Leone government and the international community were too slow to react. Okay. I always think about my first day. One guy came to me and told me, like, my brother died, my sister died, my wife died, my child died. Nobody came to disinfect the houses and I got uh, free body bags for four people. But I don't know how to use it. And I was thinking, oh shit, we are too late. An ambulance arrives, bringing a woman and her young child. They've just taken out a very, very small child. The child doesn't seem to be wearing any clothes and it seems to be shivering. I can't tell if it's a boy or a girl from here. The child's mother has died on the journey. As the mother's body is carried to the morgue, her child cries out. I'm feeling cold. Sir, I'm feeling cold. Her name is Fatmata. She's seven years old. Her grandmother died of Ebola at home. As is often customary in Sierra Leone, Fatmata touched her body at the funeral. Sebastian has just been inside the wards to retrieve another body. He saw Fatmata. 
Another patient passed away on the floor right next to this uh, poor little girl. So she's gone through uh, a lot now. We come in dressed up like uh, like uh, spacemen, and we can try and say nice things, but the fright and the terror of of being in a, alone as a child in a hospital, uh, in especially in these circumstances, is just it's 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 too much for for, uh, for any small child. Later that day, Fatmata died. Nearby, Kadiatu's symptoms are growing worse. And now the hearse that doubles as an ambulance has arrived with another case from her village. It's her husband, Fala. My wife was sick and they came for her yesterday. So how are you feeling? I have a cough. And a headache also. I also feel pain in my back. He's left their four children in the village and now joins his wife in the isolation ward. join Manjo to talk to the couple. The fence keeps us two metres apart. Hello. Hello, Kadiatu. How are you feeling now? Better, thank God. Better since yesterday? I see you smiling. Hey, Mr. Fala, do you have a message for your family? Tell them to pray to God for us. God will protect you and we will try too. I'm sad because I left my children behind. We believe that God will protect the children and we hope they will not follow the same path. You found this body in the centre of town? Yes. In Kailahun? Yes. The body of a dead girl has just been brought to the field hospital. You came here and you spoke to the doctor? Yes, but before? Who told the doctor about this case? Nobody knows who she is. Just hold on and I'll just try to figure out what's happened, okay? Okay, perfect. This guy cannot explain properly where the body is coming from. There's a body in there. Yeah, it's a, it's a pediatric body bag in there. So Each new victim has potentially infected more people. If they can't be traced, then the virus will continue to spread. We'll put the body in our mortuary here uh, over the night until we can figure out what who this is and why this body was brought like this. Um, so if you can spray the bag, and then we'll take it out and we'll put it in another bag. I do not know how you do that. 
do you have to just look at it as a job? It's, um, Unrest is spreading. In nearby Kenema, rumours about the virus have brought people onto the streets. A story is going round that Ebola is a hoax, devised by doctors to steal people's blood. There's a huge crowd gathered here. They are angry. They're shouting, they're saying Ebola does not exist, Ebola is a lie, and they're throwing rocks at the gate of the hospital. The rioters are trying to free the patients inside. They say this Ebola is a lie. It's not Ebola. They want people's blood. That's what they're saying. The police use tear gas and fire live bullets to disperse the rioters. But the rumours that Ebola is a hoax mean that more victims hide in their homes infecting their families and neighbours. We return to the field hospital. It's Kadiatu's sixth night in isolation. She's still very sick, but she's more worried about her husband, Fala. I can still walk, but he can't. When he tries to stand up, he falls over. I can get up, stand up a bit and walk around. Kadiatu's heading off to bed. She seems really, really weak. Talking seemed like a big effort. She was nearly whispering and every sentence was a huge effort. She also said she's really missing her children. How are you feeling? My body is weak. Your body is weak? Can you eat? No, I can't. Fala's battle with the virus is reaching a critical phase. With both Fala and Kadiatu in the hospital, Manju returns to their village to check on their four sons. Where are Fala's children? Here they are. To everyone's relief, they're healthy, but they're missing their mum and dad. Nobody is sick, right? They record a get well message. How do you feel without your mum and dad? I feel bad. Why do you feel bad? Because we don't get to see them. I do not actually feel fine. They need care. I just hope their parents get well soon and join them. We return to the hospital with Manjo and the children's message. The eldest is called Sa. 
Next to him is Tamba and his brother Faia. Against the odds, Kadiatu is feeling better. I'm getting back to my normal self. If only their father could be here, but he can't stand up. Aha, Fala is back. Oh my God. Fala has been vomiting blood, but he wants to see the message from his children. How are you feeling? Hmm? I'm vomiting, I'm vomiting. Lost water. Fala is much more sick than Kadiatu. Anything she eats, she vomits. Fala is in a really, really bad way. It was only this day last week that we were in his village when he was saying goodbye to his wife. And now he's completely deteriorated. I'm devastated to see Fala like that. The bodies of the dead are taken to a clearing behind the hospital. It's really horrible, right? You're just walking, trying not to step on the graves, trying to show some respect, but at the same time it's so um, unceremonial. This is going to continue to grow, I'm afraid. I lost my brothers, I lost my sisters, I lost my best friends. The grave diggers are volunteers. How many family members have you lost? Two. And you? My mother, my son, and my father. Likewise myself, because he's my elder brother. Five. Four good people. Four good people. The death rate from Ebola is rising fast. The World Health Organization is warning the number of cases will soon pass 20,000 and that ultimately the virus may never be fully contained. Falajusu died on the 31st of July 2014. Kadiyatu has made a full recovery and is back with their children. The Unreported World podcast accompanies the critically acclaimed Channel 4 television series. Explore more by visiting channel4.com slash unreportedworld. Finally, get involved in Unreported World by joining the debate on Twitter and Facebook. Until next time, from me, Krishnagiri Murthy, goodbye.